the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Price. It's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and make some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Roberts, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Consequence Podcast Network. As we make our way closer to Bonnaroo 2023, we start to do a deep dive on some of the artists playing the farm. One of the biggest streaming successes of the year, selling out all over the country and getting a major slot at Bonnaroo, Noah Khan joins us today on the What Podcast. Barry Corder, Lord Taco, Brad Steiner, talking to Noah Khan today. The What Podcast starts right now. to another What Podcast as we get closer and closer to Bonnaroo 2021. Barry Corda, Lord Taco, one of the biggest artists of the moment that we have ever talked to on the What Podcast. You know, we've had some big ones. If you go do our, you know, like our, our festival lineup poster, we've got a pretty good lineup, don't you think, guys? But today, I don't know if we've, we could find a more of the moment star than Noah Khan. Today's star of the What Podcast. I'm pretty excited. Wait, can we, yeah, can we back up? What year did you say this is? What did I say? Did I say 2022? <laughs> 2021. What did I say 2021 for? <laughs> did I really say 2021? Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Jesus wow. Christ. What is wrong with I'm not- me? I'm not judging, man. You could have said 1921. I, mean, I do yeah, love how, it, it feels like we're. Uh, I do love how it feels like we've been living 2021 for. I feel six like years, I, I love how Barry did not catch that whatsoever. No, I 
I'm not judging. Taco, the only one that's... I don't even know what day it is. Taco, again, always the only one paying attention. (laughs) Well, that's a good point. I'm not listening to you. Thanks, buddy. So you could have said anything. Thanks, buddy. But, yeah, no, it would have been... I really can't believe I said 2021. I have no idea where that came from. No idea. Uh, I I love it. Yeah. What have you guys been up to? (laughs) Yeah, let's go back to 2021. It was a great year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What I've been holed up in my basement for a year. Let's start this again. One of the biggest, the biggest Spotify artists of 2022 joining us today on the What Podcast. A massive star for us. I don't know how we got him. Noah Khan, Uh, Barry. Have you spent much time with the album, with the song, etc.? I've been yes, I've been listening. He was all just day. in. He he's was just in Chattanooga. In, Did you go to the show? He's 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 pretty good in twenty twenty. He's pretty pretty good in twenty twenty three. Yeah, so far. <laughs> Are we gonna do this? Well, we don't time? have data. We, it's he was he was around? the top streaming artist of Spotify. Artist, know, top streaming song of Spotify. No, I didn't go, and I tell you why. I didn't because go. it was at There's night. Two reasons I didn't go. That's one. <laughs> And you didn't tell me about it until about two hours before when you said, go to the signal. Noah's in town. So? I'm like, uh, that's not going to so? happen. Well, I don't, I don't live like you, man. I, that's, hey, there's only one uh, way. I've got a nap. There's, I've got a nap. I've, there's, look, there's uh-huh, napping that has uh-huh. to happen. There's rides. You know, it, Barry Corridor, there's only day. one way you're going to meet Bill Murray in this lifetime. Is taking up my uh, the, life strategy of never saying no. You're... You're saying he's not coming to my house? No, no. Bill Murray not coming to your house. <laughs> you know, look, I'm counting on you guys because you're such good friends. Uh-huh. You're going to bring him to my yeah. house. I'll give him a call and leave him a message on his voicemail. We got to go to Chattanooga. We got to go see Yeah, this I'm taking a road trip to Chattanooga <laughs> with Bill Murray. That is we gotta go see the worst guy. buddy film of all time. Uh, yeah, so you, so you have happen. spent time with the album and the song then, huh? Yeah, I have. I have, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's big, right? I mean, the, the interesting uh, voice. I love it. it it's, uh, yes, <laughs> I like it. Very I descriptive. Know I, I don't know. I know, you caught me off guard. <laughs> I'm trying just, to describe how, I'm trying to figure out how to describe Barry, it, and you caught me Barry off guard. Barry just channeled lord taco just for a second whereas yes it's good it's good yes <laughs> you're not uh, wrong well i'll tell you, you i tell you and i'm going to tell him this too because i'm going to fanboy for a moment i uh i get very obsessive over songs and bands like when i when i find it when i hear it and i am absolutely in love with it i will do nothing but listen to it over and over and over and over until everyone around me is is lost their mind uh, when i first heard shays long from wet leg it was literally on repeat for i mean weeks I have Same. I have done nothing but listen to Stick Season day upon day upon day on repeat. I mean, yeah. my entire uh, uh, train ride into the city every day is 25 minutes of Stick Season. Why I'm listening to the same song over and over, I don't know. He's the top, top streaming artist of Spotify in 2022. 2023, I, I damn near probably have half the downloads or uh, streams of Spotify. Uh, Stick season. I love this song so much. Yeah. No, I, that's the one. That's the one I was listening to. And I was, I have so many questions for him that were related to it. That's why 
part of why you threw me mm-hmm. off. I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't ready for your question. Oh, well. <laughs> well, we can start over you if you want me. to, or we can just, you know, no. go back to 2021 if you need. Let's go back to 2021. Uh, I mean, tell you tell me why are you listening to it so much. I mean, I just started uh, recently because you turned me on to it. I think it. Tell me about it. I feel it. like it's earnest. I feel like it's honest. I feel like it's vulnerable. Um, I don't know if it's a story about his own life, but it it sure as hell feels like it was. It feels real enough to his life that he's he's letting us in. I I always get really dorky when I get to songs that transport me into someone else's life experience and i feel like i'm seeing everything that they're seeing at that very moment um you know the last song i can remember that did that to me was pine grove uh old friends that that i felt like i i was walking around in someone else's skin and clothes where i was seeing the world like them and he he does such an incredible job of painting pictures as as well as a human being can i i Love the way that James Vincent McMorrow tells stories. And, um, you know, I get, I, I don't know, I immediately thought of that kind of storytelling when I listened to Noah. Uh, that, I mean, that's why I love it so much. It, it, I nerd out a little bit about it. We've done this before on the show when we've had artists, you know. I, I, those are the most poignant moments that I remember when we've had artists who come on and said, you know, I wrote this song because it was so personal to me and I never in a million years thought it would resonate with anybody else and then it becomes their number one hit. Yeah. You know, and and that's, you know, that's why. It's when people put themselves out there. Uh, I That happens all the time, right? It's um, a good question. Because that's what we connect with. I know with. this is a crazy thing to say. But I, I, I know I'm going to get roasted for this. Darius Rucker has this really great quote. Um, when he was a shut up taco, when he wrote, when he wrote "Let Her Cry," the, he introduces at every Hootie and the Blowfish show. He introduces "Let Her Cry." He he says this story. He goes, um, uh, Bonnie Raitt one time told me that every songwriter has one great song in them, one great one, and this is my ode to Bonnie Raitt. And he wrote, talks about Let Her Cry. But Bonnie Wright's exactly right. Every songwriter, every great songwriter's got one brilliant one in them. Um, and I wonder, I do wonder how that is. And I'm going to ask him a similar question uh, because I have a theory. I might be crazy about it, but, you know, we'll see. That is so amazing you bring that up because I literally am staring at my screen trying to figure out the title of the Bonnie Raitt song that she just won the Grammy for. Well, I mean, if you, you want to... That whole show was all about, you know, new music, and then here comes a singer-songwriter who just puts her heart... Yeah, but Barry... ...inside of an acoustic I know, guitar. It's a great song. I know, song, but, but may I... Look, I, I, sh- I wish that we did a Grammy episode, and I could, you know, let out all the secrets of the Grammy voter, but... but can I be totally? I mean, look, look. There are 350. Are you gonna? Are you gonna crush my? A heart? little bit. You're gonna a crush little bit. My, I, just, uh, just to pull the curtain back. There's about 350 voters. Um, you know, the four main categories. Everybody's got to vote in, and then you have. Well, you only have 10 votes first and foremost. There are 200 categories, but you have to. You're, you're, you have to limit it to 10 votes. You have to also only vote. You have to vote in the four main categories: 
artist of the year, song of the year, record of the year, best new artist. You have to vote in those four. All 350 voting members have to. And then the rest of the six, you get to sort of, you know, shift and shape wherever you want it to go, but they prefer you to be in your area of expertise. So when they opened up the nomination process and the nominees to 10 different nominees for best new artist, best, you know, for the main categories, you're going to get splintered votes. You know, you've got probably 100 people vote or 75 people voting for, you know, let's say, let's put it this way. If there's 200 people voting, half of them are going to go to Beyonce, half of them are going to go to uh, uh, Harry Styles. So then who's the, everybody's third favorite song probably is going to win in, in years like this. Okay. All right. No. Uh, wow. These things are just talking points. I get that. That's not what was not my point. I, I guess my point was the fact that she was even in the room um, is worth noting because it's a great song. It's yeah, a touching I, song. I understand it's, that. It's, but but at the same time, she's in the room because they throw a bone to the music purists every year. I mean, there's one of these in there every year. I mean, look, Midnight, uh, back, back you, one uh, years ago, uh, you know. These, how do you do what you do? How do you not, how do you feel not just it? <laughs> Who said I didn't? <laughs> <laughs> Who said I didn't? But like the idea, the idea of like. It's just gross. All right. The, but the idea, <laughs> the idea that somebody, like most of these Grammy winners, like you take a. No, I yeah, I totally some of these get categories that. are only getting twenty five votes, man. Okay, so the winner is getting ten, and twelve, bought, fifteen. And it's like it's, yeah, it's like Oscars and movies. They're bought, you know, the studio bought. I get that. I, I guess my point was it. It's a great song. It is a it's good a song. Sim, it's a simple song. It's an old fashioned John Prine song, which is what she tried to write. I'm just glad it gotten you know, attention. Okay. Well, yeah, so me too. Now you gotta, now you're sitting there throwing poo-poo on it. Okay. <laughs> Who uses the word poo-poo? Me. I'm going old school because it's Bonnie Raitt. I could have said caca. <laughs> Man, the words poo-poo and Bonnie Raitt, the same sentences. I'm using poo-poo because of Bonnie Raitt. I don't think that she wants to be associated with that, though. Yeah, no, she didn't want. Anyway, to, didn't but want yes, it, it is. It is a good song, and yes, it it deserved the attention. I'm just saying that they they throw music purists these kinds of things every oh, year, I'm, and I'm I'm shocked honestly that she won. But I trying to explain to you why she did. Votes are split no, four I, different I, ways for very oh, you know deserving songs, yeah. and she just happened to be you know right above it. No, that did I. I never for a minute believed that the entire voting block was a unanimous. Well, I just yeah, I no, think I it surprises it most people that there's only 350 uh, votes out there. That is surprising. Yeah, that is surprising. And you, you and you can only vote ten times. There's only ten votes that you can put in. I would think most people think it's completely based on numbers. Like whoever had bazillion streaming wins. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the reason why Justin Bieber has no Grammys. You know, it has nothing to do with streams. It has to do with what the... Yeah, the Beatles have... I think the Beatles have one, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe, you know, some uh, tertiary ones. But, uh, yeah, I get it. Um, And I don't... You know, I never get too excited about those things. They're all talking points. They're designed... They're like, you know, Rolling Stone's top 500. Mm -hmm. 
They're all about getting people like you and me to. Talk but yes, about I'm it, very so. excited that she won. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm very excited about it. I love <laughs> I, I love Bonnie Raitt. I love Bonnie Raitt. <laughs> By the way, speaking of Bonnie Raitt, one artist that I'm surprised we haven't seen come back to Bonnaroo. You know, I mean, I think that she was was it 2003 or four she was there. I can't really remember. Maybe six. But I would love to bring Bonnie Raitt back in one of those late afternoon uh, tent shows. Oh, that, that'd be God, perfect. I love Bonnie Yeah, Raitt. that'd be great. Um, yeah, right in that uh, early evening, that John Prine yep, slot. Yeah, the John was. Prine slot. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be That's right. Who's the John Prine of this year, by the way? I, 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 I know it's uh, off the top of my her. head. Huh? Oh, you're on the, uh, the current yeah, list? I, why can't I think off the top of my oh, head? There's a, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Yeah, I'm it? not looking at the lineup right now. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, all, right, all right, let's get into Noah. Noah Gahan on the What Podcast. Okay. I think he's over on Zoom. Yeah, do we need to reach out? God, I hope not. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good, how are you? Doing amazing. How are things? Great. They're great. I uh, I wonder what it's like being the biggest music star on the planet right now. I wonder what that's like. You have to ask Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I can't I can't tell you how much I love this album. I love Stick Season. God almighty, it has been stuck in my head for weeks i ride the entire train to and from the city i i play it on repeat i don't know uh it, i know it's not know exactly the last song that i got this obsessed with it was chase long by wet leg uh oh, yeah man congratulations what an incredible last eight 12 months this has been yeah thank you so much man it's been it's been a total trip and uh i'm still uh i'm still happy playing the songs live which is a testament that i think i actually might like the album a little bit so <laughs> thank you guys for listening to it and i appreciate that you guys like it as well I, yeah. 
I wonder, do you, I, you have to, you're, you're a very smart guy. Being this part of the zeitgeist, does it, what is it, does it feel weird? I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. It it feels cool to like have, to have a lot of people listening to the music and, uh, and extrapolating their own details from it and like putting it into their own lives and then seeing people kind of form a community around the music is what it's all about. I've been doing this for six years and, uh, you know, even when I was playing shows for like 300 people, like less than that, I still saw like this amazing sense of community in the audience and among the fans. And I still see that same community as the fan base grows. And I think that's so cool. Like being able to feel like you're creating something that's creating positivity and letting people, you know, vent their feelings to each other and creating conversations around mental health and therapy. Like that's so cool. So if I can be part, I, I you know, I don't know what part of the zeitgeist I'm in, but if, if I'm doing anything and people are hearing uh, the music and taking away their own, you know, their own challenges themselves and finding ways to deal with it, then I'm happy. Well, you mentioned music as, as therapy. The way that you write is so, I don't know, you're so introspective. It feels like it's coming straight from your life. How much of it is therapy for you to put some of this out? Yeah, I mean, it all, every song has parts of me in it. Um, and every song is help, helpful for me to kind of figure out what I'm feeling. Sometimes I'll write things down and I don't even know how I was feeling it. And then I read the words. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm depressed right now. Or, you know, like I, <laughs> I am sad and this is sad. And it's cool to be able to kind of figure yourself out through songwriting. So it's always been a way for me to process my emotions. I also go to therapy every week, which is really helpful and allows me to kind of have some clarity and mm-hmm. lets me look about, look at what I want to write about next within myself. And um, yeah, I think what's mostly therapy for me is seeing other people feel better about it and feel like I'm making a positive impact on people's lives, which is just so cool. And, should be the goal of any artist. And that's been what's been the most healing for me is seeing people find happiness through the, through the music. When was there a point in, in your music? Cause we've talked to people before and we were talking before you got on here about artists that we've interviewed that said, I wrote this song for me. I never intended it to go out. Um, sorry, guys. One second. That's Can you right. ask that question just one more time? I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah. I was just saying that we have talked to people before who've said, I, I wrote a song, you know, whatever, that I never maybe intended to be uh, public. It was just for me. And then it went public and they were shocked and surprised that it resonated with anybody else. Was there a point in your life where, you know, I'm guessing you might've been similar. I mean, I don't think anybody sits down and says, I'm going to write this song because it's going to resonate with, you know, a million people or a hundred million. But, but at some point you have to make that transition where, you know, you wrote it just for you, but now you realize it hits with other people. Was there a point for you yeah. with that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think it started like the first times that I started writing songs about anxiety and depression was just because I was feeling such an overwhelming sense of these things in my life. And then I started putting songs out because, to be honest, I had writer's block and they were the only songs that I had written. I was like, you know what? These songs, need, I, I don't have a lot of other songs. These are the ones that are about sadness and the things I'm going through and uh, the response was so cool and so supportive from everybody, you know, down to the label, down to my family, but definitely to the fans as well, that it inspired me to keep doing it. And I, I always say, like, when I was younger and I felt like there was no one else in the world that understood what I was feeling. And I heard uh, a Paul Simon lyric or a Cat Stevens lyric. And for one minute, I felt like someone had figured me out and that someone knew what I was going through. And I felt like I wasn't alone. And so when I sit down to write, I do try to be as vulnerable as possible. And I never think like, oh, this song is going to come out. But I think, man, if I could provide that 
little lifeline for some kid somewhere mm. that I got when I was in seventh grade that I'm doing something important and that vulnerability is worth it. Um, but, you know, I, I don't make music. I make music for me, but I, I really do also make it for the fans. I think um, I'm not writing songs to cater to the fans, but they seem to like when I talk about myself <laughs> and uh, I try to do that for them. I think that's so interesting that you just said it that way, because so oftentimes uh, some of the songs that I love the most are the ones that crack the code in words that I wasn't able to put together. Um, But then there are ones like stick season where you put me into this world that was yours. You, you transported me from my life and dropped me into the middle of yours. And now I'm experiencing everything that you're feeling. And that is such a, I love it so much, but I'm sure it could freak some other people out. But that's the way that I feel about it. It feels like it's something that you literally were writing um, for someone to walk around with you and see. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, when I tell people I'm from Vermont, they think I'm from Canada and they don't know where Vermont is and they don't know anything about it. Or they think, you know, Bernie Sanders and maple syrup, which are actually very big parts of being a I was going to say maple syrup. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And when I was growing up, I would listen to Gregory Allen Isakov, who, and I felt like I was like in the 1800s in Europe, like traveling around, or I would listen to Paul Simon, and I would feel like I was in New York in the 70s. And I would, uh, I love being a part of other people's worlds. I, my yeah. favorite TV shows, my favorite books are these like immersive world building experiences. And I really did think going into this record about trying to show people what it was really like, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, about being in Vermont. I wanted to bring people to a different place. Um, you know, like I said, my favorite thing about music is feeling like I'm being transported. Uh, Phoebe Bridgers, in particular, the new Sam Fender record does a great job of that. Yes, Makes you does. feel like That's you're right. in this person's life in their neighborhood. And, you know, my story is obviously a lot different, but I'm still from a place that not a lot of people know about and not a lot of people have experienced. And I was desperate to show people that place and show them it's, the world. Uh, it's very interesting that you're writing it for a locale considering. Um, well, let's put it this way. What is the next album? starts feeling like are you trying to you're not going to take someone on another vacation you're probably gonna you know uh maybe it's seasons next maybe it's uh outfits <laughs> you know you know Stevens, yeah, Stephen Stevens did this yeah. an album about every single state in the country and i think mm-hmm. i'm not sure how many he got but i, I i'm trying not to set a giant endeavor for myself but what's been really cool about this record is some of the songs feel like they have a larger story to tell. I think about a song um, like Orange Juice that feels like it tells a story about a, a moment in time between two people. And I've thought a lot about ex- of expanding those stories. You know, maybe they go beyond New England, maybe they don't. But I've thought a lot about expanding on some of those stories. And, you know, I, I've i tried very hard to not write about New England and to write about different places, but I keep getting dragged back to it somehow. So I have a feeling there'll be some New England imagery in the next project. And I... um. I think it's a really interesting place and there's more than enough material to write about for the rest of my career in, uh, in Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts, well, I mean, maybe it's obviously, Connecticut. It's obviously very defining for you as a human being though. For sure. Okay. Yeah, it definitely. Uh, it's like a, it has a gravitational pull. Well, it's also probably the, the most troublesome relationship that you've been in in your life. You know, it's definitely been the longest. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's been a back and forth for sure. I've, I've I, moved a couple of times and I keep coming back. Are you still in Vermont then, huh? Are you in Burlington? I'm, I'm in a Watertown, Mass. Uh, but yeah, I was living in Vermont throughout the pandemic and then moved to Mass with my girlfriend. And now we're uh, a little bit closer to Vermont, which is nice. I was in New York for a while. And I don't know, there's something about New England and the cultural identity there that really feels right for me. When you write this personally, <clears throat> if you don't mind, is there a song on there that is, is almost too personal? The one that's probably hits way, way, way closer to home than you even imagined 
Yeah, I think uh, orange juice is pretty personal. Just yeah. a lot about um, my struggles with addiction and uh, you know addictive behaviors, as long as as well as uh, addiction throughout my family and in uh, in my friendships, and then also. Uh, as a song that I had to dig deep into kind of these unreconciled friendships that I have in my life that was uh, really difficult. You know, I, I put it into two different people, the stories that it's not about me, but there's a lot of, there's all of me in it. And so it required a lot of kind of truth finding within myself, which was hard. And it was one of the only songs, there's another one that I have that I haven't released yet that feel uh, like really personal. And like I have a hard time playing them because mm-hmm. it makes me feel like I'm back in that space of when yeah. I wrote them and kind of, uh, but also I find that, the things I want to do least like therapy or like singing about things that are personal to me are the things I need to do the most. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just today, uh, not to bring it back to therapy all the time, but I remember I almost sent my therapist a text like, yeah, can we just do next week? I'm like, if I don't want to do this right now, it probably means I should be doing it. And so right. when I think about releasing a song like orange juice or, uh, you know, a song like howling, I, uh, I find that the tension and the discomfort I'm feeling is usually an indication that it should be in the world and that it's what? something important for me and the listener. What is that? <laughs> Cause I don't do it. I've never done it. I won't ever do it. What is that like though, to be able to go out in front of what a large, but by the way, I'm stopping you there. What a, what a silly thing to say, Barry, why would you say you're never going to do something that you don't know if you might need? It might be something. Cause need. I'm not going to get up on stage and sing a song that I've written is what I was, where I was going. <laughs> I, I won't, <laughs> I'm too chicken. <laughs> I won't do it. And that's part of where I was going with this. When you do something like that, and I'm always fascinated by this, by somebody who literally puts their heart on a piece of paper and in the, into a song, that has to be tough first. But then to go out and sing it in front of people um, once has to be really, really tough. But to do it on a regular basis has to be even tougher. Um, and then, But then you get that feedback you know, where somebody comes up and says, man, you really, you, you, it's like you're reading my diary or something that Mm -hmm. that whole circle is just so fascinating to me. You know, the fact that you would do it, that you would sing it, that you would share it and that somebody else would identify with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we're talking about. That's Noah. I I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to, to jump in here, but let me give you a, a little thing about therapy because I've been in for years now. Barry, uh, the first time I ever went through my life and all my problems, I said to my, I said to Gail, I said, I'm never doing that again. But yeah. guess what? The second time I did it, I was like, oh, this is getting a lot easier. And then the third time yeah. I did this is getting, I can talk, let me talk to you about my problems now, Barry. Uh, okay. Cause I've got Absolutely. no problem whatsoever. And I got to imagine doing the song part of therapy is the same way. Well, y'all get it. Then. Yeah. That's what I'm asking about. Yeah. T- Totally. I hear you both. Yeah. I think it's a lot like jumping into, it's like a bunch of people telling you that at the bottom of a pit of fire, there's a big cushion and you have to trust yourself to jump into it. Uh, but all you know is the fire and all you can see is the fire. And all these people are like, I promise you that there's a big pillow at the bottom. If you land, you're going to be okay. And you're going to be better. And it takes a long time for people to make that fall. It takes an incredible amount of trust to tell someone how you're feeling and to be honest about it. For years, I went to therapy and I was never honest. I would just say mm. things that sounded truthful or sounded like they were important or deep, but that was truly never digging into that stuff that really hurt. Um, and in going to therapy and allowing myself to be honest, I was able to be more honest in my music and to be able to make that trust fall on stage as well to say, I'm just going to say it. This is what I'm going through. This is what the songs are about. And to see people in the crowd uh, of all ages, of all ethnicities, of all 
sexual identities together, listening to that, hearing that, I think it's important and it, it's, it's a real platform. And I feel like I'm obligated to share my honesty with them. Okay. All right. That's it. Or do you do it because it makes the music better? Do you do it because it makes you feel better? Or do you do it because it connects with your audience? I think it's a combination of all three. That's all I've ever known really was writing my, my, uh, writing about how I was feeling. I grew up in a, in a house that was incredibly supportive of my mental health issues. We all talked like literally at the dinner table would be like, what are we sad about today? We talk about it. My mom and I would talk about my feelings all the time. My dad and I would take walks and talk about how I was feeling. It just felt like what communicating was to me was saying, Oh, here's what I'm going through and here's how it feels. And Mm. there was always a sense of humor about it. And, uh, you know, when I try to write songs that aren't true to those feelings I have, I feel a little disingenuine. So it seems like my only path sometimes. And uh, when I see people respond to them and react to them and, you know, people say your music's so sad, but I see people smiling and dancing at the shows. There's something really fun about hearing someone else confirm your own sadness and your own problems. I, I know that because I've been to a lot of, uh, I've been to a lot of great shows. I listen to Bonnie Bear all day and it's not, a, it doesn't mm. make me sad. It makes me happy yeah, to hear someone else that's pain. You know what? Because it makes me feel like I relate to them and that I'm not alone. And when I'm on stage, I see people dancing and they're like, it's weird. They're like having fun being sad. And I think it's really cool. So I think that's why I do it. Just because we can have a shared experience found by something that makes us feel uncomfortable sometimes. I love how you say you were faking it through therapy because I'll be totally honest. My first year, I was just doing material. Totally. I was just trying to make my therapist laugh. You know? Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, telling yeah. jokes. And they see working. that and they're like, yeah, oh, this yeah. guy's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally, man. It's so hard, bro, because it, it's really hard if you've never spent a lot of time like being honest or like if honesty always comes with a joke or a self-deprecation or like uh-huh. a qualifier, like it can be really hard to sit there and talk about yourself just from like yeah. a just from a conversational standpoint. It's like, do I just start talking about myself? It's the first like five minutes of therapy are always a little uncomfortable. You know, I, I wonder if you think about this the way you don't. I, I can already answer my own question, but think about it this way. <laughs> Are, is songwriting the same as the way that I think of actors? Songwriters, but we talked about this a minute ago. Uh, Bonnie Raitt said that every great songwriter's got one great song uh, in them, at least one great song in them. I wonder, the way that I think about actors is the actors that really have a great part. The part is this close to who they actually mm-hmm. are. You know, Leonard, yeah. and I think about Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street all the time. He was so sure. great in that movie because I think he's this close to being the <laughs> actual person. Yeah, I wonder, yeah, I wonder yeah. if the great songs that artists write are this close to their actual lived experience. That's a great question. I do feel like I'm not much of an actor in that. Like I was talking about this with my drummer last night. He was like, you got to be an actor, bro. You could do it. I'm like, I think I could only play the guy that's like sad and looks like Jesus. And I'm like, Oh, that's just me. You know, <laughs> I think, I think that would be my, that would be my, my Oscar winning part. Yeah. I think, I think the best songs are undeniably honest in some way. Um, I think if you're doing songwriting in a normal way, like you are trying to put some of yourself in it. I, I think I can't speak for everybody else, but the songs that I can connect to the most and that I see artists like loving to play, like, again, to go back to Sam Fender, like that 17 going under song, he seems mm-hmm. to fucking love that song. That's an amazing mm-hmm. song. That feels like unflinchingly honest to me. So mm-hmm. I like to think that the best songs are ones that truly reflect the writer, the creator. But, you know, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I don't want to sit here and pretend like I have all the answers to songwriting that. I, I hear you. I'm I hear you. It's, it it's, it's such an interesting thing because like a Johnny Cash. I mean, the mm-hmm. beauty of Johnny Cash is you believe every word that he sings, but he didn't kill anybody. Yep. <laughs> 
yeah, that you know of. Sure. <laughs> that I know yeah. of. <laughs> that's a good point, too. You know, and I, I think I asked Jason Isbell that once. He was like, you know, that's the talent of the writer. Uh, you know, yeah. um, you believe the narrator. Correct. You believe the way he's singing it, the way the music's accompanying it, and the way the words are being spoken, that he maybe understands what that world looks like, but isn't a part of it. I think it takes a real skill as well to create stories. Like I look at Stephen King and like and a great New England author, obviously. And, uh, you know, he's creating all these incredible stories, these incredibly personal, like horrifying moments in these like young people's lives. Like I know Stephen King didn't live this because I've read his autobiography, but it's so <laughs> believable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that cat didn't so crawl think, out of the grave. We know that. <laughs> yeah, but there's definitely something there. Like everything's right. in New England. No. You know, there's pieces of him in there and there's pieces of, I think, I, I don't know, like Isabel is another one of my favorite writers ever. Like, I know he hasn't lived all those things, but I know there's parts of it in there. Um, I think there's got to be parts of you in these songs, you know, even if you're coming up with a story. You know, I, I think you just nailed Isabel. You guys share a lot of similarities. He pays really close attention to details that you wouldn't normally think that would matter. I'll go right back to that song where he makes sure to say your boots were in the hotel in that hotel in Richmond or so, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Those, bo- those oh, boots yeah. on the floor in Richmond, like that specific detail he wanted to add into the song that, oh, God. Uh, I can see those boots, and I wasn't even there. Um, oh, the, the detail but, makes the story. But for you, so you take these songs on the road. Is this the first? Like, of how big is this tour for you? Is this is this the one big one of? Is this the biggest one of your career? Uh, yeah. Where is this uh, going for you right now? Yeah, it's definitely the biggest one of my career. Um, I've been touring since about 2017. Um, and have played a lot of fun sold out shows but the level of like people waiting outside all day and like you know there's a whole like controversy about the tickets being so expensive and like the demand being so high um it feels like a real um moment in my career i guess you know i feel like you can kind of sell out shows forever if you play the same cities enough but like i'm i played in columbus a couple nights ago i've never been there in my life and um you know, 3000 people fit in. So it does feel like there is something happening and it's just so exciting. And I, I just never take it for granted because I have played those, like, you know, I played, are you guys based in Nashville? Just so Barry's in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So is yeah. Russ sort of, and I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Um, Got it. Yeah. So I've played, uh, you know, I played Rockwood music hall for, uh, you know, like 17 people. And I remember being like, damn, like this isn't much fun. You know, there's not a lot of people here. The sound is bad. So to be able to play in this these like amazing venues with thousands of people packing in and some people coming to see if there are tickets like when that's already sold out and having two tour buses and having this amazing crew of like people that are so professional. Uh, I'm just not taking any of it for granted and it's like yeah. surprising me every day and like I'm yeah. enjoying every second of it, like truly every second of it. And I, cause I know how quickly the shit goes away, man. So I'm just trying yeah. to enjoy it right now. Along those lines, I wanted to ask and, and what was it being like when, on Colbert? You're the first uh, person Colbert that I've known cool. that's been on. I just, I just, I, I think oh, it'd yeah. be cool. And he's got a pretty, I, I think he has really good musical taste. So it has to Colbert mean something, I would think, you know, as an artist for him to pick you to be on the show. What was that like? That was really cool. Colbert was, it does, I agree. I think he has great, uh, he curates really great music, which is always fun. Um, I think John Batiste that was cool. helps a lot with that, by the way. John Batiste is yeah, such yeah. a legend. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Shout out. Absolutely. Can't forget yeah. about him. Um, yeah, it was my first time doing late night TV. And uh, 
a lot of times there's these moments that like everyone else makes it more scarier than it actually is. Like I did the Ryman a couple of nights ago and everyone's like, you nervous? I'm like, no, I was just going to have some fun. And on Colbert, I was like, I'm just going to go out there and play the songs. And I definitely got nervous. The environment is nerve wracking. It's freezing cold. And you know, like you only see Stephen Colbert on TV, Colbert on TV. And so I saw him and I'm like, I was like, is this like a wax animatronic version of this guy? Like, this is really him in front of me. And it, it was nerve wracking as fuck. And I saw Steve Buscemi walk by right before I went on. And I was so nervous that I just said, thank you so much. And he goes, for what? And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm fucked. <laughs> at least you didn't say great work. At least you didn't say great work. Yeah, at least you didn't say great work. The funniest part is the next time I did late night with uh, Seth Meyer, Steve, uh, Steve Buscemi was just randomly the guest again. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was crazy. You guys are taking the show on the road, you and Buscemi. Yeah. yeah. We're cool. Hey, so when you live in the Northeast, um, does a festival like Bonnaroo ever go through your hemisphere? Does it ever attach to you? Do you know anything about it? Because I'm not going to lie to you, you're uh, on a place on the lineup that is quite high for a first-time uh, Bonnaroo. Uh, Bonnaroo short-sighted, short-sighted decision, I think. That, I'm way yeah. too high on that lineup. Um, <laughs> I went to Bonnaroo three years ago when my first record came out and it was like the most communal awesome experience ever like these festivals can be so toxic and shitty like i don't want to talk shit in any festivals actually i probably shouldn't do that but bonnaroo was an incredibly incredibly cool environment it was so fun the vibes were so good people were so kind you know everyone was obviously like doing a bunch of drugs and stuff but like people were still cool kept their cool and were kind and supportive of each other so Doing Bonnaroo is a dream, man. I can't wait. I wish I could stay there and camp the whole weekend. But wait, I, wait, I don't mean to interrupt, but I did, did, did I mistaken? Have you done Bonnaroo before? Yeah, three years I ago. I did the Super Jam. Yeah, I did the Super Jam with uh, like Grizz and Rainbow Kitten Surprise how did and you uh, get, Hobo Johnson. How, how did you get onto that? Who called you for that? Dude, the Illuminati put me in. I don't know. I'm not supposed to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> No, I I've had been no idea. Illuminati for four years. They won't let me in. Uh, <laughs> my management, uh, my management, the Super Jam is kind of like one of those places where if you're not like a fully developed artist or you don't have like a bunch of records, like they can kind of put you on for the night and like get you in front of some people, in front of the bookers and everything. And so I did Super Jam. So nervous. I sang the whole song in the wrong key. It was like with this full <laughs> band behind me and I fucking blew it. But it was so cool. And it's like the energy of Bonnaroo is incredible. All right, but but you didn't have a Noah concept at Bonnaroo. No, I didn't. The so, Noah oh, concept was me trying to find my way to the bathroom when I was too shit faced so, at the artist village. So you so you <laughs> per, you uh, practiced at the Holiday Inn uh, in the convention center. Um, we've sat we've sat yep. and listened to that practice year after year after year, waiting for our credentials. Um, what song <laughs> What song did you screw up? What do you think that you messed up? I did a uh, "Wake Me Up" by Avicii and. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I was one of those things where you have so long to wait where like all you can do is get more nervous, and, like drink more like beer. And so I was like just getting like drunker and drunker and more dehydrated. And like by the time I was on, I was like completely uninhibited by how nervous I was. And I was just like singing and I was like, I'm in the wrong key. There's a teleprompter. And I was like trying to focus on that. I don't think it was as much of a disaster as I'm making it out to be, but it definitely yeah, wasn't my, sure. my brightest moment on stage. That's okay. Yeah, it 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 stuck with you enough that makes you want to say, "I want to come back to Bonnaroo at some point," huh? Absolutely, man. It's a. I mean, the lineup this year is so awesome, dude. Like on the same day as Kendrick, I cannot wait to go see Kendrick play. I'm so excited for it. Yeah, you got a you got a really good day. That Friday's fantastic. Do you know where you're going to be playing yet? Do they have you on two one of the two big stages? 
I think it might be like the big tent, like the right before you go to the big stages. I don't okay. know. I'm still in. Okay. I'm, I, my music is kind of campfirey. They're like, let's stick them in a fucking tent. Like, <laughs> we yeah. can't <laughs> I'm not sure yet, but I, I hope to see you guys there. If you guys oh, my God. There. I'm so excited for you. Look, I, I the last year of your life has got to be crazy. It's not many people get to say the most streamed Spotify song of the entire year. So uh, congratulations. I love the album. I love the song. I'm very, very excited that at least, you know, my format and radio is starting to come around on it. And and if I have to will this thing to happen, I, I want it to. So congratulations. No, I can't wait to see yeah. you come to New York. Yeah, I really appreciate the questions and also the format of the conversation. I just want to say it's fantastic. I uh, I love just chatting. You guys are great, so thank you. Hey, anytime this you was, want to come back, let's do this it. This was so much fun. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you guys so much, and we'll hopefully see you soon. See you, buddy. Thanks. Thank Noah. you. Have Later, Detroit. Guys. See you, buddy. Thanks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, I, on the white podcast a, i have a new man crush do you i love that guy oh that, wow that was a lot of fun i i just noticed as he was hanging up that uh i might be in trouble with the record label because i just realized i'm wearing an epic records hoodie and he was wearing a republic records hoodie <laughs> and oh. it was republic <laughs> records that did this for us and now i feel really shitty label wars you and me, Russ, we're caught. We're caught in the middle. Can you can you blur out the epic records part, please? Yeah, we'll, we'll Photoshop something. Did you notice what I'm wearing though? Oh yeah, yeah. A radio station that. Oh, Got, my old radio station. Yeah, your old radio so, station. Yeah. So Barry, I went from Alt ninety two three in New York or New Orleans to Alt ninety two three in New York. <clears throat> it's like I have a type. Yeah, your type. Yeah. Your type cast. I have a type. Playing the type. Man, I, I just love the kid. I, I, I knew he was going to be a phenomenal chat. Uh, I did not know about this, the Super Jam thing. Oh, that That's was great. fantastic. I don't think we've ever talked to somebody. It's just been a, a band player of the Super Jam, have we? I don't think I so. Don't First think time. so either. No, I don't think so. He's one of those guys you never would have noticed on stage that played the entire yeah. run. I, I, mm-hmm. I want to dive back into that if we had more time. Write that down because when we talk to him at the festival, I'd love to talk to him. Oh, my God. Why don't we ask him if he's going to be in this year's Super Jam? Damn it. All right. Oh, get him call back. Him, get call him back. back. Call him oh, back. man. All right. Well, well, this is something that I'm putting you guys on for Friday. On Friday night, we got to ask him if he's going to be in the Super Jam and if, uh, uh, you know, what the Super Jam was like from the year that he was there in 2017. Is it 2017 or 2018? It was 20... 2021. 20... That's what it was. It was 2021. No, it wasn't 21. <laughs> it was 28. <laughs> it was... <laughs> We're still in the year 2021. Yeah, that's, isn't it, it's so funny to hear. I mean, just... Uh, uh, 
everything he talked about, he's just a person. And then to say I was so nervous, you know, he drank all day, and then he, you know, got out on stage and sucked because he'd been drinking all day. So, <laughs> so funny. You know, that is funny. That was great. That was really good. I enjoyed that a lot. So good. All right. Well, there you go, Noah Khan. Uh, I guess he's officially. I guess he's not officially a Bonnaroo first timer. So, you know, I guess we got to find some new first timers this year. <laughs> Just change change the label. It'll work. Give us a work. Give us a call. Yeah. Taco very clear. Brad, talk to you next week. Consequence Podcast Network.